This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Welcome into another edition of Bar Conversations. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Uh, for those that have been paying attention on our social media, you know we've kind of changed things up a little bit. And this is kind of the debut episode of a brand new format that I hope you really enjoy. We have a, a whole lot of great conversations coming up. Hall of Fame boxer, uh, badass on this episode. We have a bur- one of the foremost bourbon experts in the world uh, coming up. We have a Texas country outlaw artist. We also have some flight nights still, a whole lot of fun. And plus, your favorites, uh, you know, talking beer with Kevin Patterson, cocktails with Jake Sullick, and bourbon with Chad Watson, a.k.a. My Daily Bourbon. All those will still be happening, just kind of in a slightly different format. So uh, just to give you a little bit of how this works, right after I get quiet and shut up, we'll do our first tasting notes with Jake Sollick talking about food pairings, especially with the holidays coming up, the holiday seasons. you got Thanksgiving, Christmas. How do you pair bourbons and drinks and cocktails uh, with all that's going on? And then also at the end of the episode or the highlight of the episode uh, for me was getting to talk to Hall of Fame boxer Christy uh, Salters Martin, uh, West Virginia native Concord alum where I went to college. Um, just an amazing story uh, that you, you need to hear as, as well from her. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun, a little bit different. And if you kind of like the old format, don't worry. We do those now called Friday five Q and a, where we talked to a lot of industry folks. Uh, those that write books about the industry are in the industry, uh, highlighting also different brands and of bourbon and whiskey and, and beer as well. So that's the Friday five Q and a, you can find that at hopspirits.com also on our social media and the bar conversations will now be coming out every Tuesday. Or every week, whenever you want to listen to it, it'll be there for you. Remember, drink it how you like it, with who you like. It's almost time. Where did I where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for Tasting Notes. Joining us for our very first edition of Tasting Notes is a guest that we've had on the podcast many times. I'm glad he's back. We have Jake Sullick, Beverage Director Partner with the Professors LLC. Jake, welcome back. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Now, you know, Jake, this is kind of a little different format, so um, these are like kind of five minutes where we just get to learn a little bit about the Hops and Spirits world, and on this one, you know, the holidays are coming up. We've got Thanksgiving, then we kind of hit the Christmas season. I figured we'd talk a little bit about uh, pairing food with drinks, or, you know, drinks with food would probably be yeah. the better, better way to put it. Um, with Thanksgiving being the first one up, what, what are some good cocktails that go with either Thanksgiving dinner or Thanksgiving desserts? This time of year, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, you want to stick with sparkling wine of some sorts, whether it's real champagne or whether it's Prosecco or Cava. And it can seem uh, from a social aspect that this is something, well, it's celebratory. We, we associate sparkling wine with celebration, but there's actually real science behind it. Sparkling wine is light and low ABV, so it doesn't have the ethanol that's going to interfere with you tasting flavors in your food. And it's also highly carbonated, which creates something called carbonic acid. And on your tongue, that actually helps wipe your palate clean so that you can taste and experience more food. So there's actually a a scientific reason why when you're out celebrating and eating a lot, you should be drinking sparkling wine or sparkling wine-based cocktails. That, that, that is amazing. I, I love how science always comes back <laughs> back in when we're talking alcohol. Um, you, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, that to kind of cleanse the palate. Obviously, one of the big things that happens around this time of year is desserts. 
uh, just cookies, pies, all sorts of things. What are some things that kind of maybe pair better with those that people either might not think or, or you might go, oh, that's kind of what I thought? The, the big one that jumps out for me is going to be a whole category of liqueurs that's called Amari or uh, Amaro. Uh, these are going to be spirits traditionally from Italy. They've got a pedigree that goes back hundreds of years. They're usually made with a secret formula. But the, the basic idea is this is a liqueur. So no matter how much alcohol it has, it's going to have a little bit of sugar to sweeten it. But it's also the, the spirit, it's, the liquid itself has been macerated in bittering and flavoring agents. So uh, culturally in Italy, you tend to drink these things after a meal, which makes them a perfect pairing for dessert. They're going to add a, a little bit of extra bitterness that's going to really complement something that's got like chocolate in it, for example. And they're always a, a good call for anything like cookies or pastries. And, you know, for those that love a bourbon or a beer, is anything working with, with desserts on, on that end? <laughs> this is the the time of year for stouts. You know, we've got uh, I one of my particular favorite styles of beer is the German Marzen. Uh, it's mm. probably more familiar here as something like the American Oktoberfest. But it's going to be uh, more of an, uh, a darker amber style beer. So it's going to have a lot of baking spices and, and really rich flavors in it. But it, they usually clock in around 5% which makes it a little bit more sessionable. So it's a fun beer to have after dinner with dessert. And then obviously if someone wants to create a cocktail for this time of year to celebrate with friends, um, what would be a good one? What would be one that you might recommend? Sticking with the, 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 the sparkling wine, I really like a good French 75. It kind of scratches everything on all, all the boxes for me. You've got you know a, a London dry style gin, which has got lots of rosemary uh, angelica grains of paradise lots of like richer heavier spice flavors but then you're topping it with something that's going to just cleanse your palate and be super refreshing so for me something like a french 75 is the thing to do and is there anything that you know when when dealing with kind of all these holiday foods that people should avoid or, or be be thinking of when, when trying to pair I'm, I'm conscious about the amount of alcohol in each drink and not so much to keep you from drinking too much over the course of the day, but the, the higher the alcohol level, the more it's going to numb your palate, which makes it harder for you to actually taste Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or, or you know New Year's Day. So you're better off sticking with lower ABV stuff, cocktails made with, like I said, sparkling wine, or even just regular wine or beer-based cocktails. Those are going to allow you not only to drink more, but you're going to be able to taste your food better. Well, Jake, I appreciate it as always, and, and thanks for providing some, some good things for the holidays. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations podcast is a Hall of Fame boxer. She's now a boxing promoter also an advocate for domestic violence. And I'm just going to say it a certified badass because your career, everything you've done has been uh, amazing. We're joined by Christy Salters Martin. Christy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime that, uh, you know, we can get back to that hometown feeling is, is all good for me. I, I love it. I'm a West Virginia guy. She's a West Virginia girl. We even went to the same uh, college university a few years apart. We, we won't say how far apart. Yeah. <laughs> it was a college when I went to it. Now yeah. Like I, yeah. I was gonna say, I think it had just switched to university when I got there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
well, I, you know, we I always like to ask folks if they, if they got a drink, what they're drinking. I'm, I've got some, some whiskey, some blood oath, uh, number seven. What you got anything good, good tonight? I, I do actually have some, um, it's uh D- deep Eddie's grapefruit vodka and a little bit of tonic. So yeah, there you go. Actually a lot of deep Eddie. So <laughs> it's been a rough day. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Now, now are you a vodka person, whiskey? Do you drink a little bit of everything or is there kind of a go-to drink? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, uh, vodka. I have to stay away from the, the brown, the brown stuff. <laughs> Gets you in it trouble. Makes me crazy every time. <laughs> now, now, you know, I, I figured growing up in small town, West Virginia, you might enjoy a little bit of moonshine. Absolutely. I did lots, <laughs> lots of moonshine. Um, you know, even back in high school, I, I would put a little moonshine in my coffee of the morning and, uh, have coffee and moonshine. So yeah, I, thought, I thought I was, you know, a cool kid on cool kid on the block, but well, you 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 probably were. I mean, what, yeah. what was it? What what was it like growing up in, in small town West Virginia? For those that don't know, Wyoming County, it's not easy to find on a map per se. I mean, it's not hard, but it's not like it it pops on a, a map of West Virginia. So, what was it like growing up there? You know, just small town, and and um, literally, my my I live in Edmond, lived in Edmond, West Virginia, so it's one mile from. Itman now entering and Itman now leaving. So it's, it's, it's literally one, one mile of houses on both sides of the road and just a two lane highway that, that runs through the little town. Um, and I went to a bigger town to high school, to Mullins high school. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's just, it's small town. Everyone knows everyone, which is good in some aspects and it's bad in some aspects. Everybody knows everyone else's business. Everybody has their nose in your business. You know, after I moved away from West Virginia and, and lived in Florida for a long time, you don't even really know your neighbors. And and that's not really a good thing either. So I don't know. Got to find, find that balance. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you growing up, you, you went to Concord to play basketball. Uh, growing up, though, were you just kind of playing every sport or anything like that? What were you what, what were you doing? Yeah. Growing up, um, I have all boy cousins. So, and I was the oldest. So, you know, I, as, as they got older and played sports, I just played with them. So I played, actually I played football. They didn't let me play on a, a legal team, but I played football with my, my cousins. I, I played baseball with the boys and I played basketball with the boys up until I was in seventh grade. So. Now, I, I was going to say, you know, you, you obviously became a pretty famous boxer. You know, you, you, you were known to throw a good punch in the ring. I mean, were you a tough growing up on the basketball court and all that little, did you enjoy a little physical nature or, or did that come later in life? I think it was, you know, just feisty kind of. And, um, and probably I, I felt like I was the right physicality, you know, this just <laughs> physical enough in there with, with basketball. I felt like I was smart. I'm short. I'm really short. But I was I was smart basketball since and and was able to like block out these big tall girls and get rebounds when I shouldn't have and um, I, I felt like I had good like depth perception I don't know if depth perception is the right word but you know I could I had good instincts and I could tell the ball's going to go here the ball's going to go there I felt like I, I was able to do that so I don't know it was just I, I love being competitive and that's if you put you know whatever it was out there too. Yeah, Two little ants, you know, yeah, well, let's go see which one's going to be the fastest. It's all about the competition with me. <laughs> now, now, is that kind of, so the story that I've always heard was that you, you were just finishing up at Concord or something like that and went to a tough man, tough woman contest. Now, did you sign up yourself? Did you get egged into it? How, how did all of this go? 
Yeah, the real truth is actually I was still in, in um, college and and the tough man contest, as we know, at least in my time, not as much by the time you came around, but in Southern West Virginia, the the tough man contest was a big deal. I mean, they would sell. I, five, even when I was there, it was, it may not have been tough, man, but rough and rowdy was yeah. huge. <laughs> rough and rowdy came through after that. So, but I mean, that would sell a huge amount of tickets, you know, fill up little arenas and stuff. So I always thought, and I would go, of course, growing up and I always thought, I just want to do this. And why I thought that uh, I should do this, a woman should do it. Um, I have no idea, but, but I did. And, and, um, I would tell Mr. Lowry, he was over in Beckley at the time. And, uh, you know, you got to, you need to add women, Jerry Thomas, he promoted tough man, Jerry, you got to add some women, add some women. And then finally one year while I was in college, they decided to add women and like, boom, I was right there. Probably the first one to show to sign up. And, um, I, I just loved it for some reason from the word go. I mean, nervous as hell, Ner scared to death, nervous. I mean, just like, Oh my God, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I want to do this. Um, so yeah. It was great. It was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I was going to say, cause it's not like, I mean, did you, you didn't grow up in a boxing gym or anything like that. It's not like those are even nowadays prevalent in, in Southern West Virginia. So, I mean, like what, what drew like, I mean, the competitive nature is one thing, but you know, still to want to hit someone and get hit. That's a, a different thought process. I don't know. And I still try to, I try to figure it out even now. And, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know why I thought it was a great idea. I don't know why I thought this is something I want to try, but I did. And, um, you know, as tough and crazy as boxing is, it, it certainly blessed me. Well, and then, you know, obviously you did, did well, cause I think you won what three of them. Is that right? I did. Um, I, I think or at I, least a couple two or three times over in Beckley. And then I went to what was called a regional tough woman. And I, and I fought up in um, Martinsburg or somewhere, somewhere around Somersville, somewhere around Somersville. And, um, and then I went to the World Tough Woman, which was actually held in Parkersburg, West Virginia. So I don't know how the World Tough Man, <laughs> Tough Woman got held in Parkersburg, West Virginia, but it did. And, uh, and I lost. Um, I lost to uh, Andrew Deshaun, who I later fought as a pro. And, and, uh, we split some, I, I, I'm up two to one on her as a pro. I mean, did, did you ever think that you would then turn pro in that, or was that you, you realized, you know, you, you might have something here, so let's give it a shot. I mean, what, where, where, where did you go next? Cause I mean, it's not easy to break into it either, especially at that time, women's boxing. Right. I, um, you know what, again, I don't know why I thought, let me, let me keep fighting. Let me keep trying this. Um, there was no one to look at that had done it before that I could say, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. So I, but I just kept plugging away and plugging away. And, and finally I went to boxing gym in Bristol, Tennessee, which was actually the first time I had been in a boxing gym. I had already had seven pro fights, but this was the first time I had been in a boxing gym. I was just, I had no idea how seriously I could have gotten hurt. Um, but I was in pretty good condition because of playing basketball over at Concord and, um, and I was a little bit of an athlete. So I was able to kind of bullshit my way through and, and, um, won most of the fights. I lost one, had a draw. And, and then, you know, after seven pro fights, I moved to Bristol, Tennessee and started training, really training. And, and what year w was that? I graduated from college and moved to Bristol in 1990. All right. And then obviously the career took off because you, you ended up, you know, Don King promoted, promoted you, you were on time. Uh, some Tyson undercards, some Showtime thing. I, the one that always 
the one that I at least knew of first was that 1996 uh, card that uh, I think you fought uh, Deidre uh, Gogarty. Is that right? Uh, if I'm saying her name correctly, right. um, you know, and that's when anyone that came on just to watch the Tyson fight was like, wait, what happened beforehand? Cause you know, that's the picture of you being bloodied up and the ring was bloody. And then, I mean, did you ever think that you would be fighting on that? And then next thing, you know, beyond this cover of sports illustrated. It was the craziest thing. Um, you know, signing with Don King alone was like, here I am, this little girl, coal miner's daughter from Southern West Virginia, sitting across the table from Don King, who, I mean, he's a big man alone. And then you put in the, the persona, the aura, the everything about him. Um, he's a character, you know, it's a character. He's, he's just, everyone knows him around the world. And, and he was boxing at the time. And here, you know, here I am, this little girl sitting across the desk and, and, and trying to negotiate a contract. Um, so I, I, you know, I signed with King and then I fought here and there randomly, you know, just on different cards and, and started making a presence. I think, you know, um, people started taking notice. Wow. This, this girl can fight a little bit. And then he gave me the, the great opportunity to fight under Mike Tyson. And, um, wow. You know, everybody in the world's watching Tyson. <laughs> so they got me first and, and it was a great fight. Gogarty's tough as nails. And thank goodness we were both ready and prepared. And, and um, both of us took full advantage of the opportunity. I mean, I was going to say, and I mean, you know, like, like I said earlier, and, you know, you think back now, I mean, women's boxing, even probably today still doesn't get the recognition it deserves, or at least in general. But I mean, then to cut through and then be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, because you said beforehand, it's not like a woman boxer had someone to look up to. Now, all of a sudden, there's a woman boxer on, on the cover. I mean, that's got to be an amazing thing to look back on, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, nowadays, people don't even buy magazines, I don't think. But in 1996, it was a big deal to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, and even now, people will bring the magazine to me and ask me to sign it. And, and I've had people ask me, are you tired of seeing this? Are you crazy? I mean, this is a cover of Sports Illustrated. No way in the world. I'll, you know, I'm happy to sign them. I'm happy to see them every time that somebody comes up to me with one. Uh, that, yeah, that's unbelievable. Again, I had 86 people graduated my, my high school class. I'm from such a small town. And, and then to get these kind of honors and recognition and, and like walking down the street in, uh, in, in L.A. And, and people come out of the stores, recognize you and want autographs and pictures is crazy. Be on the streets in New York City and people know you. Um, it was a crazy time for a couple of years. I mean, what, how, how did you handle that? Cause I mean, for, for someone growing up in a small town and, you know, Concord college wasn't a whole lot bigger. I mean, nothing in Southern West Virginia was really that big. I mean, I grew up in a big town of West Virginia of 20,000 people. You know, I live in a town of 300,000 now that has a small town feel to it. So what was it like having people rush up to you? Cause I mean, some people that might, I mean, you love it, but it's still gotta be weird. Well, yeah, it was weird. I mean, it's still weird. Like, um, it's weird. Why does why does someone want to get, get a picture with me, or why do they want me to sign something? I'm just and, and people would talk about the Gogarty fight. Like, oh my god, that was such a great fight. And and to me, I just I, it was just like every other fight I fought. I mean, I, I that's how I fought. I was just straightforward. Got hit, hit people, look for the knockout, and uh, I didn't think it was any different. But it was different because millions of people around the world saw it. The other fights, you know, a handful of people saw. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, 
Uh, and like I said, you took full advantage of it. You had a great career. I mean, um, I know you wanted to get to 50 wins. Is that like the one thing that you kind of regret? I mean, not that you have a regret, but it was like that the one thing you missed out on. Cause I mean, you got a, a, pretty much everything else. I definitely got everything else. And you know, the 50th win, a lot of, a lot of times we can say that I got that 50th win, you know, I'm still here. Mm, so that's uh, true. very true. The, uh, yeah, I wanted, I tried hard to get that 50th win. I tried, I went back in the ring six months after being shot and stabbed and, um, and was ahead on all cards, uh, had a broken hand for three or four rounds. And then with 50 seconds to go in the last round, the doctor and referee decided to stop the fight. Um, come on, man, I've been shot and stabbed and you want to stop because my hand is broken. It was ridiculous to me, but that's what happened. And then, then, um, when they put me to sleep to fix my hand, I had a stroke. But still trying to get that 50th win, I went back to the ring. And uh, when I lost to Mia St. John, I was like, you know, I'm done. Because the, the stroke took more out of me than, um, than I wanted to admit, at least at that time. It was very close. It was within a year of the time of the stroke. So I should have never been back in the ring. I was going to say, you had gone through a lot, a lot at that point in life. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But, you know, in 2016, you, you know, you were the first woman inducted into the uh, Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. You've been inducted into six Hall of Fames recently in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, when you get those recognitions, I mean, not that anyone ever really sets out for that, but that has to be a nice reward after the career and life that, that, that you, you've had. For sure. I mean, I have to say um, the boxing writers now um, – um, recognized the female or the female boxer of the year. And they named it the Christy Martin fighter of the year. And so the first year, it's only been about four years now. And so the first year I actually went to the ceremony and, and handed the trophy, gave the trophy out. And, and when my little speech, I said, it's so cool that this happens because most of the time when an honor like this happens, it's after you're dead. So you're never there to actually, you know, to realize it or recognize it or accept it. And so to get to be part of that was, was awesome. And, and then with the hall of fame inductions, to get to go to the ceremonies and actually be part of it and, and take it in. I, I think at the time of my career, I didn't realize that I was changing things, but now, you know, 10 years, 12 years down the road. And, and I look back and I'm like, you know what, whether people want to give me the recognition or not, or, or the, you know, like, wow, she helped the validity. Um, I, I was in the right place. And I, I happened to be that person that did make a difference. And I did, I had a lot of help, you know, Mike Tyson could have stopped it at any time, but he wanted Don King to put me on the cards. Don King could have stopped it. Showtime could have stopped it. Lots of people could have stopped it, but I feel like I was ready to take advantage of all those opportunities. All those people gave me. So instead of being a hater on me, sometimes I think <laughs> this women generation now they should you know, look back with a little respect and, and gratitude that, hey, not just me, but there's a whole class of those women in 1990, in the 90s, we, we changed the face of, of women's boxing and, and how women fit into the world of boxing. Well, I was gonna, I mean, I'd go further and just combat sports in general nowadays, because, uh, you know, like, as someone that just loves to study that, that kind of stuff, like the history of when titles happen, I mean, there were, like you said, there were, you didn't even have a tough woman contest to, to right. go to until you started, you know, basically begging and pleading, you know, being, being maybe that quote unquote annoying person of just, Hey, Hey, I'll, right. I'll stop. Once you finally do it, I'll stop. Once you right. finally do it. Um, 
is there like a best memory or best memories from from the career that that you had i mean is it some of those early fights is it the the go gritty fight or is it even something just to us that might be random yeah i think um probably the coolest thing of course uh the the cover sports illustrated but in 1996 after the gogarty fight after the sports illustrated i was the grand marshal for the international boxing hall of fame induction weekend at that point of course they didn't do women there was no even little bit of hint that they would ever have women inducted into the hall of fame so to get to be the grand marshal of that was like the biggest thing that could happen for a female fighter um so that that's definitely one of the highlights um just being promoted by Don King, I think, is a, is a huge accomplishment. I mean, at that time, he, he was boxing. You know, he he uh, had Mike Tyson. He had Chavez, Trinidad, so many great champions. Um, it, it was great being under his promotional banner. Well, and, you know, you, you talked a little bit about this just a little bit ago. Your 50th uh, win in, in life might be something a little different than boxing. You, you've become a you know, domestic violence victims advocate because of everything that's happened in your life. Uh, you shared your story about what happened with your, your former husband trainer. Why, why have you been so willing to do that? Cause I mean, uh, to some that might be very difficult to, to relive those moments. Well, it is, it is difficult. Um, but like the next day when I woke up in the hospital after being shot and stabbed, and, and like, it may have been two days later, but like once I started actually getting my thoughts back together, um, the first thing I said was God left me here for a reason. And that reason is to share my story and to help somebody else not go down that same rabbit hole that I went down. And, and I believe that 100%. And, and up until recently, I was like, you know, if I just change one, help one person's life, I, I've done my job. And then I was like, no, that's not good enough. I need to help one person every day. And that's why like just talking, you know, talking with you is important to me because um, lots of people are going to watch this. So it may be that one person that's watching that something that we'll talk about will trigger something for them. And they'll say, oh, you know, either I have to get up and get out of this situation or I have to help a friend, I have to help a sister, I have to help my mother. You know, it just makes people more aware of domestic violence and that, uh, it's not always about the bruises. And that's the number one thing with me. It, it wasn't physical many times until it was physical. Mm. It, but it was the mental and emotional beat down and control and and just like raining on my parade all the time. Every time something really cool would happen and I would be so excited. Um, he always figured out a way to make it about him and that it was because of him I got on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Because of him, I was signed by Don King. Because of him, you know, everything. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't that way. And without him, I could never make it in boxing. And, and that wasn't the case at all. Well, and you know, you, you've now done many interviews uh, about it. I mean, you know, the 48 hours uh, fight for life, even Netflix is untold. That's what maybe some of the folks in my generation have now, now gotten to, to see the untold, you know, deal with the devil documentary. What's it like doing those type of interviews? And do, do you watch those back ever? Or do you just kind of do the interview and then let it be? I, I really don't like to listen to myself talk. But <laughs> um, with the Netflix documentary, it was very important to me to watch it because I wanted to see uh, everybody else's reaction, uh, hear what they had to say, including Jim. Um, I wanted to hear what he had to say. And and me being, being the uh, naive person, I don't 
I don't know, the person that I am. I really thought I would see some hint of, I'm sorry. Uh, but the only I'm sorry I saw from him was, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry she didn't die and, and I got away with it. Um, he's still the same arrogant ass that he was for 20 years that I was married to him. So, uh, but what I think Netflix did a great, uh, put the pieces together in a great way. And uh, hopefully that has been, I've gotten messages from all over the world, literally all over the world. And, and I'm just hoping that it's making a difference. People are watching it, not just the domestic violence, the sexuality, the underdog. I mean, this girl from Southern West Virginia that we've talked about, coal miner's daughter, and, and really made it to, I, I would say I made it to the top of the boxing world. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so if, you know, if I can do that and you want to be a pilot, why not? You know, if you want to be a doctor, whatever it is that you want to do, you want to be a professional athlete, she can do it. I can do it. So hopefully that that story is giving some people a little bit of edge, a little bit of, Hey, yeah, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah. A little, little, little bit of hope uh, go, goes a long way. And, and you've turned that even now into uh, Christie's champs as, as well. You know, another organization that uh, kind of helps, you know, domestic violence um folks that are dealing with it gone through it things like that um, i'm guessing that's another just another way you can reach people and and make a difference oh for sure i mean that's that's what um i i go to jails high schools domestic violence galas wherever anybody will allow me to to talk and share my story and just bring more awareness to domestic violence i'm all there right now we're actually christy's champs on facebook we have a fundraiser going up for, for Southern West Virginia, Wyoming County specifically uh, for the holidays, because what people don't realize uh, or don't think about those two weeks that the kids are out of school, those are kids, those kids don't have breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of kids that, that need some extra groceries at home during the holidays. Yeah. Somebody else get taking care of the toys. There's lots of toy drives and things like that, but our concern is making sure everybody has a hot meal, hot meals every day. Um, you know, how important is it for you to kind of give back after just everything that's happened to you? I mean, because obviously that seems to be something that is near and dear to you. I think that people forget where they come from uh, too many times. And uh, I, I just I just I think it's important that um, that I go back home to, to southern West Virginia sometimes and, and and bring a little bring a little bit. Hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Bring that attitude and you know, a little bit, a little bit of that strut, a little bit of, you know, Hey, let's get it. And so, uh, if we can just bring a little bit of that dream to somebody else, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to. And, and, uh, Hope McNeely actually has a new boxing gym in Mullins, West Virginia. So oh, nice. she and her husband are, are working and they have these, they have little kids, they have, you know, adults, everybody's coming in doing the boxing workout. And, and what people don't understand, boxing's not all about, going in there and beating somebody up. It's about that family feeling in the boxing gym and, and holding each other accountable, especially with these, the kids, you know, if you're going out and screwing up, then I'm going to, I'm going to check you in the boxing gym. You know, you're supposed to be in the gym every day. You got to be there, not out on the streets doing, doing bad things. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll help hope and uh, make a difference in Wyoming County, specifically in the Mons area. Uh, I, I love to hear that. And, you know, your, your next kind of career, I guess, is, is um, being a boxing promoter. Uh, you know, before we hit the record button, it sounded like you had a wonderful day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that happens in the, when you're doing your day job. I, I totally understand that. Uh, 
how how is that for you being a promoter now that you're, you it's a lot different i'm guessing than, oh than the days of, of being the the one that was being promoted oh my goodness being a boxing promoter is so hard being the fighter was so much fun i loved my job um not that i i don't love being a promoter but it's, it's just not the same it's you have to deal with all these person these personalities and attitudes um with fighters that are you know, they're nothing. They have won two fights or heck, maybe they've lost one and one, you know, uh, but they want to be treated like champions. And that's something that has to be earned, not given. And uh, so, yeah, it's a tough thing. But November 20th, we're in Myrtle Beach. Uh, so anybody in that area, you know, you can, what, five five hours from West Virginia, come mm-hmm. on down and and spend a weekend on the beach, Crown, Crown Reef Resort, and uh, have some fun. We're going to have about, we're going to have between 12 and 14 matches. We have two that are kind of teetering right now. Um, so we'll have a you know, great night of fights, some fun, some good music, um, nice party afterwards. And I guess if you're a boxing fan, it'll be a great, great night of fights. Well, I was going to say, if you're from West Virginia or where any, any place really in Appalachia, it's fun to go to Myrtle Beach. Everyone does it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's... Yeah. I mean, you need an excuse to go to the beach. Come on down, you know, buy a ticket and see the fights while you're there. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about having 12 to 14 fights, you know, obviously that's 24 to 28 personalities plus whoever else is, is kind of in their ear. How difficult is it to get a card together? Cause it's not like, you know, you know, people might on a TV card, they might see five fights or, or six fights, but you know, if you actually go to the event, there's multiple fights. Cause you know, they, they, they have to fill up multiple hours, uh, how difficult is it getting, is it like herding cats? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because you know what? Um, six weeks ago, everything looked really solid. If you talked to me six weeks ago, oh, everything is good. All these fights are good. Everybody's, you know, on board and matched and contracts are signed. Um, but as you get close to the fight, you know, you're going to lose some, you know, there's going to be somebody's you know cat died or something and they're not going to be able to fight it's 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 ridiculous the 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 reasons and excuses that people will come up with um but as a promoter you have to decide to to roll with it and you know just find a replacement and keep going well and you know during my time reading uh you know doing a little extra research to make sure i knew even more of the background your your degree was in um, education, you know, uh, you had a degree in education. I read you were even a substitute teacher for a while. One, are you still doing that? And two, how nice was that to kind of just go back and do that after it all? So I don't still substitute, but I, I definitely, I had the stroke. I had the stroke in, um, 2011 had the stroke. And, um, after the, after that, I just, I, I was in bed for a while and then I was just depressed. I didn't want to get up. So I had never taught school. This was my degree, but I had never used it. And I thought, you know what? The only way I can go out there and get a job and and have a job that I can kind of come and go, not, you know, work days that you want to work, not when you don't want to work or can't, and was was to teach. And so that's what I did. I renewed my my teaching certificate and um, had to take a class or two. And went back to teaching and I started out teaching uh, substitute. I would one day and then then it would be like two days the next week. And then it was every day at the same school for two years. And, um, you know, I met a lot of really cool people and and um, 
learned a lot. I, I learned a lot. You know, I, I learned that everybody out there has a story. And um, whatever happened to that person is the most important thing that could have happened in anyone's life. So I, it, it was a good time for me. It was good. And it was really good. I felt like the, the other teachers, the teachers would get angry with me, but like for some reason, the bad kids connected with me and uh, what well, we want to say, the bad kids, but they would skip class and I, instead of going out back and smoking weed, they would try to find my classroom because they knew I would let them come in there and sit. And I, the teachers would get upset with me, but I felt like I was better to let them come sit in my classroom where I had my eyes on them than for them to be out back smoking weed. It just made sense to me. So I was the one that let the kids come in. They would skip class from somebody else's room, but they, at least they were under my, my watch. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I had a lot of good times, met a lot of good people. Um, but I'm glad that boxing promotion has taken over. <laughs> I was going to say, you're not looking for You don't want to go back to that at any point. I, I don't think so. I never really wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to, to coach. Um, so it, it's all working out. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'll, I'll wrap wrap all, all this up with kind of one, maybe one, one part, two part question. You know, when you look back on on everything that's happened in, in your life, I mean, what what do you remember or or you do you just kind of keep looking to the future and looking forward? I mean, kind of what's the, the thought process with with everything that's that's happened? It's tough. It's tough to stay like looking forward. Because, you know, I, I have a tendency, I'm, I'm, I'm the glasses half empty person, not the glasses half full. So it's easy for me to sit back and say, damn, you know, I messed up on this. I should have done this. I should have done that. But, you know, I, I try to remind myself those things are past and gone and done. Um, forget it. Move forward and, and look at the positive things that are in front of you. So that, that's what we're doing. We're going to we're going to keep trying this boxing promotion and. Um, I actually signed. I have a, a, a young fighter from Charleston, West Virginia, Anthony Sevilla. So I'm excited about him. You know, just look for some young talent, and and hopefully we can move together to the top. Well, I, I mean, you've done it once. You, you you came from you know Wyoming County. Although, I mean, apparently there's something in the water down there with uh, what what comes out of there. There's a, a few few other well-known names of the D'Antonis and and so forth that have gone on to do great things and. And I, I think you you went on to do some amazing, amazing things. And uh, if you want to look up the fight, christymartinpromotions.com, uh, Mayhem and Myrtle for Saturday, November 20th. Um, find them on social media, Christy's Champs as well. Uh, Christy, thank you for taking the time to just share share a little bit about your story and and just kind of that that journey. Cool. Thank you. Anytime.